Hey, it's Freckled Hand, and you're listening to Rantish. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to remind you about my program called Stress-Free Summer that will be starting mid-April. This is a live six-week program where we'll help you feel prepared to make this summer break your most successful summer. During the six weeks, we will be covering separating stay-at-home mom, the job title, from motherhood, the relationship, implementing work-life boundaries, summer scheduling strategies, how to set realistic expectations, the antidote to burnout, eliminating mom guilt, and so much more. If you have any questions about this program, please, please feel free to reach out to me. And to get on the wait list, go to my Instagram profile. I'm freckled hand over there. And there's a link in my bio that will get you on the wait list. Getting on the wait list gives you additional bonuses as well as access to the pre-sale price. So definitely, definitely get on the wait list. All right, without further ado, here's today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Rantish Podcast. I'm so excited about today's guest, Brandy. What do you feel Rantish about, Brandy? Oh gosh, so many things. <laughs> Maybe I'll introduce, I'll just explain how we met. So we met at a networking event. What is what is your job? So um, right now I do, um, I'm a virtual assistant and I love it. It's super fun. And then I'm just kind of all over the place. Like I love networking. That's yeah. like what fuels me. And I love supporting other people's stuff. Like I know that sounds so weird, but like what fuels me is like showing other people what people are doing that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I would say you're rantish about being a champion for other people, specifically other women. Yeah. Yeah. And then getting them out of also the like idea of kind of what you and I bonded over of like, you don't just, you're not just a mom and like you need to stop identifying yourself as just a mom. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are like my two big things where I'm just like extremely passionate about making sure that people understand like we have more identity to us than just being moms. Right. Because and that's, that's only a relationship, yeah. not an identity. <laughs> exactly. And that changed my life. <laughs> what was your journey into motherhood? What did that look like for you? Well, it was definitely chaotic. <laughs> um, so first of all, when we first got pregnant, um, we actually lost our first baby. And um, that was crazy because... I just felt like nobody, when that happened, I feel like nobody talked about miscarriages. It was very, I mean, you know, it just, it's, it was very taboo. And, um, there was also the whole idea of like, but it's so common, like as if that made it easier yeah, in any way. And, um, so that was really hard. And I have a lot of women in my family and none of them had gone through it. And they just pop out babies like it's nobody's business. So <laughs> so I was like, I don't know anyone who's gone through this. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in my body physically, like emotionally. It was just all crazy. And so I definitely felt really lonely. And I felt like I didn't know. All of my friends were having babies. And um, we were all pregnant at the same time, too. So we would have had our kids around. And I think that's something that people don't realize when it comes to lose, like having miscarriages is like you have moments where you have to go back and re-mourn that loss, you know. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, wait, it's not just over when it's over. Like it's a consistent thing. I mean, we've had two more since then. And um, there's just things that trigger me, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, our first one was almost eight years ago now. And there's just little things where it's like, oh my gosh, this, this thing reminds me of this. Or um, like our kids even will have moments where they're like, oh, my sisters, like they know and they have a connection to those babies that we lost. And so, yeah, it was really lonely. <laughs> and um, I was grateful that after our second one, I felt the courage to speak up about it and like talk about it a little more. And I cannot tell you how many people came out of the woodworks and were Mm. like, I just had never, I never told anyone and I never knew that like it was okay to talk about. And there's the emotional side of it for sure. But there's also the physical side of it that like you don't know what's normal and what isn't. And what you want to do when it comes to something like that because nobody ever plans on that 
Right. You never plan to get pregnant and then not have that pregnancy work out, you know? And so, and I feel like our health care kind of fails in that because they don't really prep you well, like for what to expect and how long things are going to happen and whatnot. So yeah, I felt really alone and a little bit ostracized also because, you know, like I said, your friends are all having babies. And then the other thing, too, is once you have kids, then you have the side of people being like, well, at least you have kids. Mm. Like as if that makes it not hurt or not hard or, you know, like you can't be sad because you at least have kids. So just it's hard. It is hard. I was actually talking with a friend about this the other day because it, it was one of those moments where you're talking about where. Because I think in a lot of ways, like I've healed and I've moved on, but there are little things here and there. And there was one experience where I saw someone who's like a friend of one of my kids, their mom. And I had the last time I saw her, I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And and so as I was driving to her house to pick up my son, I was like, oh my gosh, like she doesn't know that I lost this baby. And so I was kind of like gearing up and it was, I'm getting like emotional again. And it was really interesting because it was like, I haven't been emotional about this in a long time, Mm -hmm. but then like having that experience was anyway. So I told her and we were talking about it and she actually said that Elliot had told her. Um, but I was saying how like it is, it is a hard thing to navigate because especially as someone who has five children who like, you know, that is so lucky. And this is my first loss. And so I almost like feel bad, feeling bad for myself because I know so many other women have had multiple losses and are just fighting and fighting and fighting to get their families here. And like, it's hard to feel like my pain, I mean, like my pain isn't as hard as their pain, you know, but not to say that it's not any pain. It's just, it's like, it's a tricky balance for sure. Yeah, totally. And I think the thing is, is because it's society has kind of given us this idea that like there's harder things. Yeah. And the reality is like our heart is just hard. Everyone's heart is just hard. And we don't need to go through and compare hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. And like the two things can go coexist. So it can be hard that somebody is never able to bring a child into this world. Right. And that's hard. But it doesn't mean that it's also not hard for somebody who has brought in 10 children and then struggles that come along. Yeah. And then they lose one. Right. Or like where I'm at right now, I am in the thick of it with my toddlers. And I just am like, some days I'm just like, I don't love this. And it's really hard. And then you get, you feel guilty because it's like, well, I worked really hard to get these babies here. So like, and some people, why do I feel mad about this? And some people are still working really hard. You know, like they had, they, they would give anything to be where I am. And yet yeah. here I am complaining about it, but yet it is hard. <laughs> yeah. And so it really was healing when I let go of that. And I finally said like, no, we can we can put an and is kind of what I call it. So yeah. you throw away the butt and it's just like, okay, this is hard and my heart is hard too. And that's okay. Like we don't need to try and justify why we feel this way. Like I notice, have you noticed this with women where like you'll get together and you're sharing something that's hard and then you immediately say, oh, but like what you're going through is so much harder. Like we feel the need to like, put our heart down mm-hmm. to like make them feel better. And like, you don't have to do that. It can just be like, yeah, this is so hard and I'm, I'm really going through it and I can hold space for you while you're going through your thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love that. And I just think it was very eye opening to me because it's like, we don't have to have one or the other. Like the two things can just be hard. And I think sometimes we feel like we need to compare things right. and we just don't. They can just coexist. Like, I love being a mom, and sometimes I really hate it. And that's okay. But is it caregiving (laughs) that you hate, or is it being a mom that you hate? No, it's caregiving, Because that's actually what I was going to say, too, is I feel like this happens a lot in that conversation of, like, quote-unquote working mom versus stay-at-home mom versus parent working outside of the home. And it's like, oh, well, this is harder, this is harder. Or the statistic that they were saying that, like, being a caregiver of young children is 98% more stressful than any other... Thing. And it's like, can we just acknowledge that we all, everyone has hard days on their job, regardless totally. of what they're like, even if you're working yeah. at McDonald's, you're going to have someone that yells at you and it's going to be hard, right? Yes. So we're all doing hard things. And like you said, comparing like, is my, my job as a stay at home mom or my husband's job as the provider of the family, like 
which one's harder and like yeah. why are we and even what wasting good does our energy give us? exactly yeah. yeah there's no good that comes from that no because there's not. like why do we have to even yeah like you said like why do we even have to go through and and pick and choose who's this harder like it's just hard before when i was looking at motherhood as a job and as a title even mm-hmm. like me being a mom i only saw failure because I was like, okay, well, here's my job checklist. Right. Are my kids fed sometimes a little later than I hope? <laughs> Are they eating the right food? I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, do is my house clean? Nope, never. Right. Like, do we have this? Do we have this? And and the checklist goes on and on and everything is like, nope. So then how do you not see that as failure? Right. Well, you know? Even when it is checked, it's like not checked as much as it could have been, right? right? Like your kids are fed. They're just fed not at the time that you wanted or not the foods that you wanted. And so we start making- Or they hate all the food you yeah. make. Like, <laughs> so who knows? I, I tried to feed them, but they just complained and then threw their plate on the ground, <laughs> right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and so it really was debilitating. And truthfully for me, like that's where my- my postpartum really hit me mm-hmm. because I was like, I literally go to bed every night feeling like a failure. Yep. And how can you not? Right. If you look at it as a job, because you go to work and you have these tasks you have to do, you accomplish them and that's you being successful. So if you go to work and you don't accomplish any of them or you don't accomplish all of them, how can you not feel like a failure? Right. You, you, uh, be really selective about what's in your job description. Yeah, for real. <laughs> or or you change your mindset and you recognize like we've talked about and what I've learned from you is that it is a relationship. Right. Just like any relationship, my husband and I aren't on all the time. Like exactly. there are sometimes where we are very far off. Right. <laughs> and that's okay. And sometimes you need space from your husband and you allow yourself that. Sometimes you're like, hey, I just need to, you know, go out for a few hours. And you're not like, I am the worst wife in the world. Why would I ever want to be away from my husband? Yeah. But yet that's what we do with our kids. Mm-hmm. Like how could I possibly want a break from my kids? Like this is what motherhood is. Yeah. I'm a terrible mom for wanting this. Yeah. Like, no, you're a human. Yeah. Well, and I don't know about you too, but I I feel like society, and specifically in the culture in Utah that we live in, I feel like we've put motherhood on this like pedestal. Oh, yeah. And that, in my opinion, is what has caused us so much of this heartache and pain and suffering and depression and all of these things. But the problem is, is that... We've put motherhood on the pedestal as a job title, yes. not as a relationship. Yeah. Because I do think, and you know, you, you, especially with like the religious totally. play happening too within Utah, we have these quotes of like motherhood is the highest, holiest calling and that kind of thing. And I think that's where we get really confused because it's like, oh, we equate being the primary caregiver of babies and young children as the highest holiest calling therefore anything outside of that is less holy and less divine when really I think the way we we can be thinking about those quotes is this relationship is one of the highest holiest relationships and once you put it in that man it's like oh yeah like this is a really important relationship personally I don't know why we're singling out motherhood at all like I think fatherhood is just parenthood in general exactly 100%. I think parenthood is a very holy thing like I really do mm-hmm. and I think there's a lot of lessons that we learn from parenthood I don't think they're the only way we could learn those lessons but I do yeah. think that God uses that relationship as a teaching tool as with all of our relationships but I think that when we when we're equating motherhood with the wrong things that's when this issue comes and that's how we have talked about it for Ever, right we've equated that is motherhood is being the caregiver for your kids yeah and so obviously if you ever choose anything other than that you're gonna feel like oh I'm not you know I'm being unrighteous or I'm being not a good mom or you know my kids are suffering or all these other things when actually the the irony of that is that what's best for the relationship is is getting a little bit of space there. So we can show up our best selves exactly. for them. Yeah, 100%. I agree. And that's that was when I had that turning point for me because um, I feel like, yeah, I just kind of suffered through it with my first and second baby. And I just was like, okay, this is just it. And I'm not like the rest of my friends who are like, I love being a mom. I love it. And I'm like, it sucks. Yeah. Like, 
<laughs> yeah. I just didn't enjoy it. I truly didn't because I saw it as a job. Yep. And I was like, why are you happy that you literally can't accomplish anything? Or when you do, you are absolutely depleted. Yeah. You have nothing to give because you're just beat. You like, expected yourself to do literally everything and you have nothing more. Yeah. And so once I really shifted, which is ironic when I did because um, it was when I had my daughter and that was like the most traumatic, uh, I don't know, emotional experience because I had my water broke at 21 weeks. Oh, wow. And so I went to the hospital and then COVID hit. So I had to be by myself in the hospital for the majority of it. My gosh. How long were you in the hospital? I was there for 12 weeks. <gasps> yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. So the first the first little bit I was able to be there. Uh, my husband was able to be there and my boys were able to be there. But um to come visit you and mm-hmm. stuff. Okay. Yeah, so they could come and visit me, but then we had to get really creative because they had to leave and they couldn't come back. And I'm also sitting there, you know, wondering, is he going to be able to be here for the birth? Like, I don't know any of this because lockdown all happened. I cannot (laughs) imagine. I cannot imagine. Yeah. So she's a she's a huge miracle, first of all. I mean, all kids are. But like the fact that she's alive and completely healthy is mind blowing to me. Yeah. Because of how long were you delivered then? So I delivered her at 34 weeks. 34. Yeah. So she because at that point, once your water's broke, they won't let you go past that because at that point, then it's so much worse for them to be inside than outside. So um, she would have just kept cooking, I guess. (laughs) And I didn't know this, but apparently um, you continue to rebuild fluid. So even if your water breaks, if it's not like fully ruptured, you can continue to rebuild that fluid. So wow. the fortunately, human body is incredible. Isn't that insane? I was mind blown. And I always thought that it was once your water breaks, you have 24 hours to deliver, period, mm. end of story. Mm. Like no ifs, ands, or buts. So I went in thinking this is it, yeah. like it's over. And, you know, I was prepared for that because I always had a feeling, I never knew for sure, but I always had a feeling that the three babies I lost were all girls. Interesting. And that I just couldn't hold girls. So I wasn't surprised when this happened because she was our girl. Hmm. And so I don't know. It was interesting. But but she made it. She's good. And But I had to really change my attitude with motherhood because I couldn't be present with right. my boys. Yeah, exactly. But I still wanted to be in their lives. And my, my middle son or my middle child was – 16 or 17 months old Mm -hmm. so that's a very transformative age for kids I feel like and so I was really worried about how that was going to impact him and affect him and so yeah we had to really get creative and um just kind of learn different ways of how my parenting was different now and you had to be a little more creative to build that relationship Yeah. And then we did like we actually had a relationship because that's all we could do. I couldn't sit there and play toys with them or do whatever. But like I would watch them on the camera for uh, just all day long. Like I just leave our camera on. Fortunately, technology. Thank goodness. Yeah. But we like do a Zoom call and we just leave it on all day long. And I just watch them and talk to them and ask them about what they were playing. And and I kind of had this aha moment of like, oh, I'm just. It's just another friendship, right? At that point, I didn't really get to the relationship point in my head. It was building me up to meeting you. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, oh, we're just, we're friends and we're interacting and we're having a good time. And like, this is the part of motherhood that like I live for and I yeah. love, but I never had it. Like I never put that in because I just was angry and bitter about being a mom truthfully well well, and because the checklist is so long like you talked about it's like a lot of times if that's what your focus is on you don't have the capacity to go beyond that yeah because it's all about the checklist and so yeah that that is such a great story I had no idea about any of this yeah surprise (laughs) Surprise. Um, but yeah so and then after that um you know obviously I got home and and my my son did have some really hard like separation issues 
because I left him for, you know, three months. Yeah. And he was Well, and it was so age. unexpected, too. Yes. Because one, this is, is a good example. Because I talked to people about this, about help, kind of helping them separate the the relationship from the caregiving aspect. Yeah. And it's so foreign to a lot of people that have a hard time with it. And so the example that I've given to a few friends, like, okay, if you joined the military and you got called like overseas for a couple of months, would you still be your children's mom? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, yeah. And so that kind of puts it in perspective. But the difference is, is if you like, you could prepare to kind of, you know, kids are little, but you would at least have like maybe systems in place more. Whereas in your situation, it was just like, this is happening. You know, like it just happened. Yeah. And yet you were able to find those ways, but yeah, I mean, it is going to be a learning curve, like relationships Mm -hmm. ebb and flow. And that transition was probably a little tricky, but you got through it and that's the important thing. Yeah. Well, and the thing too, that was like very eye opening to me because like my husband would, you know, his relationship with our kids is different than my relationship with our kids. Right. Right. Because we're different people, just like everyone. Not because he's a dad and I'm a mom, just because we're different people. Exactly. And so um, I just, I learned a lot from him because, yeah, he became the main caregiver. And fortunately for us, everyone was home. So at least my husband didn't have to, like, take a leave of absence. So that was a huge blessing for our family, even though it wasn't for most people. Yeah. (laughs) But um, I was able to learn a lot from him because... He did see parenting more as like, I want to have a relationship with my, specifically my boys. Like he was like, I want that because my relationship wasn't the same when I was little. And Mm -hmm. I just kind of didn't really have that. Mm -hmm. And so he really made it a point to do. And I remember one thing when I had come home from the hospital and our daughter was in the NICU and, um, I, so I was still gone at the right. NICU living there. It felt like I was like in a divorce situation. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm going to this this family and then I'm coming to this family. like Living a was, double life. Yeah, I feel for all NICU parents. Like it oh, is yeah. so hard, so hard. And they had silly rules too. So like he well, could never COVID, go. I'm sure that was just a whole nother layer of. Yeah. So he could never go. So it was always me. Well, he could. That's not true. He could go. But if he went, I wasn't able to nurse her because their rule was one parent every 24 hours. Oh, my gosh. Luckily, he was in a good place mentally where he didn't need that mm-hmm. as opposed to me where, like, I did need that. I was like, I need this connection and and I'm worried about her. And anyway, so it worked out. But. I remember one day I'd come home and it was a really hard day with him and my now seven-year-old. Uh, would he have been five, I think? Yeah. yeah. So kind of a hard age to not have your mom all the time. And um, so, yeah, he was five years old and they had just, their personalities, they butt heads a lot because mm-hmm. they are very similar. <laughs> and which I love because I love, he has all the things I love the most about my husband. But, um he had said to him um, after, so he'd put him on timeout and they were like having a moment, whatever. And he said to him, he's like, Tucker, that's my oldest. He's like, Tucker, I'm sorry that I yelled at you. Like, this is my first time being a dad and like, I'm still figuring it out. And it just was like this moment of like, oh, we can apologize to our kids and we can be vulnerable with our kids. And like, it's just like any relationship. Like, it's just like any, well, friendship is where I was at. at right. Moment, yeah. I hadn't met you yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, oh, like, it's okay for us to not be perfect around our kids. Like, we don't have to, I feel like our parents grew up in a generation, I mean, I'm not going to speak for yours, but yeah. like for mine, where it was just like, you don't show vulnerability. Like, you don't show making mistakes. You only show the good. And I just feel like we've grown and learned so much now. And we know that like, it's good to show the bad and the good and the ugly. And yeah, you want to show them for certain things. Right. But for the most part, you really don't because the reality is they're going to get it anyway. So wouldn't you rather it come from you where you can teach them? And so I don't know. I just, it was very, for me, very eye opening. And I realized like, no, it's okay for my kids to see me cry. And like for them to see that like, this is really freaking hard. And, like, it sucks to have a family that's not together all the time and that they never got to meet their baby sister and she's now already a month old 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like those things are hard and it's okay for them to, to see that. And what I noticed happening was my boys, both of them then would express more of their feelings. And one, one of them, our middle one, he fell down the stairs. My, my husband was holding him and they fell down the stairs together. Oh, no. And our older one, who was five, came up to me and he's like, mom, I need to talk about my feelings. And I was like, okay, let's talk about your feelings. Cause it was just like, he gets it. Like he understands. And he's like, mom, I was really scared and sad when brother and dad fell down the stairs. And like, that really hurt my heart. And, and I was just like, yes, like, I'm so glad that you feel safe in this environment that like you can share your feelings. And like, then I was able to have that moment of like, I want you to express your feelings. Like, it's good for you to have feelings. And we're not meant to be 100% happy all the time. And, like, everything's sunshine and rainbows. Because it's not. (laughs) Like, that's the real world. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. That was just very... A big moment for me, I guess, you know? Yeah, I love that One of those mom wins is what I call those. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Well, and it's like... Because I think a lot of people have this other angle of like, well, parenting, like it's a responsibility and you can like, it's not just a relationship or just a friendship. Like it's so much more than that. And I read this book, actually, it's a parenting book and a little disclaimer, I'm not a parenting coach. <laughs> Some people get confused because they hear me say motherhood relationship and they're like, oh, she teach me, teaches me how to be a parent. And it's like, no, no, no. I think parenting is great. I've read a lot of parenting books. I'm not a parenting coach. I just teach you that you're a better parent than you think you are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just help you think about motherhood differently, right? Anyway, there's this book that I read called Scream Free Parenting. It is a parenting book and it's very good. And what he talks about is kind of reframing like this responsibility as a responsibility for your kids. Like that's what people traditionally think of it as. And he has you reframe it to a responsibility to your kids, which to me perfectly fits in line with the relationship because it's like that is how I want to show up in this relationship as responsible to my children for my behavior for my actions for the things that I'm doing but I'm not responsible for the things that my kids do because they are their own people I am just here to be a guide and a resource and a safe place for them as they navigate this new world (laughs) that they're building I love that and vice versa, right? Like yes. They are not responsible are, are not responsible yes. for me and my yes. choices and my and mistakes. My emotions. Yeah. That's a huge thing that I think traditionally previous generations have kind of you know, said even just like you're making me mad, right? Yeah. Like p- parents use that all the time and mm-hmm. I'm not exempt from that. I'm sure I've said yeah. that. Oh. Or like you're making me yeah. whatever. And and then it kind of makes you st- step back for a second and realize like, "Oh, wait a second." Mhm. I get to be in charge of my own emotions here. I don't get to tell my kids or I I know a lot of people have that where growing up, they were kind of the holder of, especially their mom, because that was who they were spending their time with. They were kind of the holder of her emotions. And someone I was talking to, even like their dad would come to them and be like, you need to behave good because when you're doing this, like it makes your mom feel this and this and this. And so from, you know, five years old, they're like, oh, if I mess up, that is going to have this effect on my mom. Like I can't mess up because of that. And it's just like bonkers (laughs) that we have grown adults who are putting all of their emotional, um, what is the word baggage? Yeah. And like (laughs) emotional control really into a toddler. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, and the other thing with it too is like, and I know our parents just did the best with what they had and the knowledge that they had. And we're very fortunate that we have gained so much more knowledge. So we know these things, right? Right. Because to us, we were like, oh, that's normal. But now we realize like that was actually really not great. <laughs> <laughs> we're learning. But but that's the thing is like you you just don't realize how like, I mean, look at it now. I see grown women who are like, oh, but I hurt her feelings. And it's like, no, 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 hold on. Yeah. Like, we need to stop trying, and I'm not exempt from this either. Right. Like, we need to stop trying to be in control of other people's opinions of us. Right. And, like, I remember seeing it, and I wish I remember who said it, but, like, someone said, like, someone else's opinion of you is none of your business. Right. And I was like, yes, we really need to understand that because, and I am, 
I'm not a people pleaser, but like I want people to be happy and you're the same way. And so I feel like we stew on things and we're like, oh, did I say something that maybe offended them? And it's like, no, we've got to stop that because it is not our job to control how other people feel. And it's not fair of us to even want to or try to because that's one of the greatest gifts we've ever been given in our lives is our agency. And so, you know, if you think about it, like God will intervene in a lot of things, right? But that is one thing he won't touch. That is the one thing that he's like, I I have no control over this. Like I 100% have to allow people to choose for them. And we fought for this, gosh dang it. <laughs> like we fought for this. So I don't know. It's just very interesting to me that like we as women are so conditioned to fill a need. It's the nurturer in us, I think. Mm-hmm. To fill the need to like make everyone happy. And the reality is it's none of our business. Right. And often comes at the cost of our own happiness because we're so tied up in everyone else's happiness. Yeah. And we can't control it. Mm -hmm. So then when it doesn't go the way that we think it should or that we want it to, now we are, you know, spiraling out of that. And it's just like it creates this vicious cycle Mm -hmm. of unhappiness. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that's that's uh, been eye-opening for me, for sure. But that's where I was, like, after, you know, my daughter and that whole traumatic, crazy thing. Yeah. So it was very eye-opening, and I loved it. But I still had a disconnect, and I still didn't quite put the two and two together that, like, the way that my child acts as a toddler <laughs> does not mean I'm a bad mom. Right. The way, like, my kid's drawing on the walls, and then the other one's antagonizing or like not antagonist yeah they're antagonizing them but they're also encouraging them to like go and do naughty things (laughs) and I'm like what am I doing wrong like well I can't my friends all have clean my they all have clean houses and they all have this and it's like again I'm back to the comparison thing and it's like okay but hold on your friends also have kids who are 11 and older and like you're dealing with toddlers like you're in completely different places you can't compare apples and oranges like we say you know But that's what we do. We just get in this like vicious thing. So then we met and we didn't even talk for very long. No. Because it it was like so much was going on. We maybe talked for like three minutes, would you say? Like it wasn't long at all. Maybe 10 minutes. I don't know. I think in the big group we talked for like probably 30 minutes. Okay. But like you and me one-on-one, I think it was only like three to five minutes. Yeah, It wasn't super long. But I was like, I need this girl in my life. Like, I just felt so connected to you. And we hardly, we actually were talking about work. We weren't even talking about, like, motherhood at all. But, and you shared what you did, but that was it. Mm -hmm. And so then we connected after, and obviously I was following you on social media, and I was like, okay, I get it, God. Thanks for, thanks for handing this person to me because, because it finally clicked for me that it was like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, it's okay for me to have the two things completely separate. I can be a caregiver and have struggles with caregiving because it's not my forte. And that's okay. And I finally accepted that as like, I'm not going to be the one who has the cleanest, nicest house. And like, that's okay. But my kids are always going to know they're loved. And even when I'm upset at them and I don't necessarily like them, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're still always going to know that I'm a safe place to land. And that nothing they could do will ever take away their worth or my love for them, you know? Yep. And I finally had that, like, almost like that visible sigh of, like, I can breathe. I just can be a caregiver and I can be a mom and or I can have a relationship with my children as a mom. And I'm not caregiving is not my forte. Right. And just because you don't love caregiving doesn't mean you don't love motherhood. And it doesn't mean I'm not a good mom. Right. Right? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's what I had in my head is like, if my house isn't clean, if I don't have dinner for my husband and wife, that was the other thing is, is I was, I was also comparing my, my relationship with caregiving as also then affecting whether I'm a good wife or not, Mm -hmm. which is hilarious because they literally do not, they're, they're not the same thing at all. Right. And so I had told myself like, well, if I can't be a good caregiver and I'm not going to be the person who has a clean house all the time, I'm not, but my kids are always going to know that they're loved 
and there I will always be a safe place for them to land. So nothing they can do will ever take away their worth and nothing they do will ever make me not love them. So if that's all <laughs> that I can be and my kids at the end of the day know that, then for me that's enough. And for me that means I've been successful as a mom and my house can be as messy as it needs to be even though I'd prefer it's not, we're <laughs> times and seasons, yep, you know? Yeah, and, yep. and I finally accepted that and my life changed so much because I was able to see my, my good strengths and focus on those and the one-on-one -on -one with my kids is where I thrive. And when I can sit down with them, I heard this thing that the three most important times um, of the day for our children is the seven minutes after they get home from school the seven minutes in the morning and the seven minutes before they go to bed. And I kind of did, I like testing things. I'm like, yeah, we'll see. I'm going to test this out. So I kind of like made an intentional effort with specifically my son who's in school full time. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, seven minutes after he gets home, I'm going to give him my full attention. Nobody else. It's just him. And I cannot tell you how much our relationship has changed just with that. Because they just want to feel loved right. and important and and like you mean something to them. Totally. And my house is still a mess. <laughs> <laughs> and my kids are still drawing on the walls. And I'll be honest, there are some walls that were drawn on last week that still are drawn on. Because <laughs> I'm like, eventually we'll just paint it. But at the end of the day, I would hope um, that, you know, if someone asked my kid, like, do you feel safe? And do you feel like... You come from a loving family. You know, any of those questions that they would easily be able to say, yes, I know that I'm loved. And especially in the world where we're at right now, I get so worried about these kids and just them knowing their worth. I mean, I just wish I could just go up to every single one and be like, you please stay. Like, please just stay. Like, you are so wanted and needed here. And because I just don't think they get it enough. I just don't think they're told enough how valuable they are to this world and unfortunately they're told the opposite with social media and it just scares me so at the end of the day I'm like if I can give them that much then that's a success to me yeah. I love that you found what what has worked for you and I just want to touch on this because I do think that those types of things like that was that resonated with you it worked for you and that's awesome but having those types of things where like this seven minutes, this seven minutes, this seven minutes, like making it kind of check, check boxy kind of bothers me because like some parents don't have that option. hundred percent. And so to say like, those are the most important seven minutes of the day for your kids. Again, so, so, so happy that you have that and that you've been able, but honestly, well, I don't I do it anymore. I think it's the intention behind it though. Yes. I think that is what's helping you feel connected. So you know, if you're someone who isn't home when your kids walk in the door from school or you're not home at bedtime or whatever, don't think like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to have a good relationship with my kids For because sure. it kind of goes back to that checkbox mentality of like, oh, well I did this. So I'm going to, it's like, no, 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 base it on your relationship, on your schedule. Like when is that feasible for you? And even having like the seven minute checklist too, like it's not going to be seven minutes every day. No. Maybe sometimes it's going to be two or five or whatever. But just like the, the bottom line is taking a minute to connect with your kids. That is how we build relationships. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And yeah, I even forgot to say this, but I did it for a week, like I said, because I want to test it because I, I agree. I hate when people are like, well, if you just do this or like if you right. just and it's like, I'm going to test make it you a on this. Box, right. Yeah. When it's like, oh, just do this one thing. Check yeah. it off. And we did it for that week. I've never done it since. Like, it's not then. But what I did realize is, like you said, it's the intention. And so now I'm intentional about my time with him. And I make a point to do things that I wouldn't have. Because to be honest with you, I I don't like playing on the ground with my kids. Neither it's not I. my thing. Nope. I do not find it fun. I'm not excited about that time. Mm -mm. And which is funny because... I always was like, like before when we were like going to have kids, I was like, oh, I just want to play on the floor with my kids. And like, I, and I love doing it with my nieces and nephews. It's not my thing now. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's just my life and I've evolved from it and I just don't enjoy it now. 
but I don't you like it. You need to have a reason. Yeah, but I just don't <laughs> like it. And and I'm okay with, like I said, before I would have like beat myself up about it and been like, oh, you don't care about your kids. You don't want to play with them. And I would have done that. But now I'm like, that's okay because we find other ways to connect. Totally. And I also think I'm going to be better, not better, but different. I'm going to enjoy more when my kids are older than I do the toddler stage. And honestly, I'll be honest with you, I hate when people say, you're going to miss it. I know. Fine. I might. But guess what? Maybe I won't. There there are probably aspects that I'll miss, but there are aspects that I'm going to love more. It it just makes me feel invalid. I mean, it comes back to the harder, like comparing the hard thing too. It's just like, it's just different. Yeah. I just, this isn't my phase right now. I'm just not in my groove. And when you think about really, motherhood has a relationship and you realize that relationships are so much bigger than the toddler years that gives me so much peace because it's like maybe this isn't my groove but guess what this is literally a drop in the bucket of our relationship Mm -hmm. our relationship is going to be so much deeper and richer and longer than the five years of them (laughs) being a baby and a toddler and I mean for me like there I I see a lot of that too like I definitely uh, am excited for bonding with my kids in ways that are not like imaginary play or whatever. Well, and it's so interesting too. this. And I think this is a relatively new phenomenon. The amount of time that women, mothers specifically expect to spend entertaining their children Mm -hmm. during the day, because I saw this post the other day. It was kind of about this. You know, the post was like, find ways that you like to enjoy, that you enjoy spending time with your kids. Don't always do the things that just they want to do because, you know, you have to or something. Like, find something that you mutually enjoy. Yeah. And in one of the comments, somebody said this, like, I don't really enjoy doing imaginary play with my kid. I think they just had one child. Um, so I, I make sure I limit it to 30 minutes a day so that we can do other things too. And I was like, whoa you're doing imaginary play for 30 (laughs) minutes a day and then doing more this idea of like because you are the primary caregiver because you're the stay-at-home mom because you're home your job is to entertain your children or even spend all that time like interacting with them is very new Mm -hmm. and not not necessary good for them either. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's not good. Like maybe it's I it's good for them to bad. be bored. It's true. It's true. Finding having your kids like find ways to entertain themselves is a really valuable skill, I think. Yeah. And so just relieving yourself of this expectation that And like why that's your is job. the expectation? Cuz is it because you want to build a relationship with your child or is it because you feel obligated? Right. Is it because for me it was box? obligation. Yep. It was 100% Or obligation. because you see it on social media and you're like, this is what everyone, this is what good moms do. This, this is what, what everyone they say. else <laughs> does. And so therefore, this is what I need to do. And again, if it's working for you, if it's working for that relationship, absolutely. I, you know, power to you. But if you find yourself like feeling burned out all the time and overwhelmed and like you never get any time for you and you know, like that is starting to creep in on the relationship that you're building, maybe this is a way of your body trying to express to you that you need a little bit of space and maybe your kids actually need that space too and it would be okay. Yeah. Well, and I think too, it's good for the, like for example, my seven-year-old is like, he loves the Switch and we we try to limit any kind of video games because I have a lot of feelings about my fear with things like that. So we try to really limit it and um, he wants to play video games with me. And I'm like, I don't have any interest in playing video games with you. Mm. But I love to do, I've been doing a lot of like graphic design work lately just for fun because I love it. Mm -hmm. And it's been really fun. And he loves art. So I'm like, I love to color though. I would love to sit down and color with you. And it's just, and I think this is the same with any relationship, but we think like, oh, they love golf. So like now I need to go and do golf. And it's like, I mean, sure, if you want to, but like, you don't have to. If you can find try, something go for else. it. <laughs> and yeah. then if you hate it, it's okay. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you're not showing up for your spouse right. or you're not like trying to. But I'm like, I already know, son, that I have no interest in these video games. So I love spending time with you. Can we find something that we both enjoy? 
And that's what we've been doing. And he loves it. And it's been so much fun. And he's good at it. But we're still able to spend that time. And I'm not miserable for, you know, 10 minutes playing a dumb video game that I hate. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And so how much more connected do you feel at the end of that exchange when you're doing something that you both mutually enjoy instead of like suffering through something just for the sake of the other person? Yeah. Well, and what I've noticed with it is he'll come from home from school and I'm like, how was your day? You know, the normal conversation. And he doesn't really say much. I know. I'm like, did you actually answer that question? No. Because my seven-year-old is like. It's all about what he had for lunch and whether lunch was good or not. Like that dictates his day. I don't know. (laughs) That that checks out, actually. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But then when we are doing our play together, like just me and him time, um, which is minimal. It's not hours. It's not even half hour, maybe 10 minutes. Like it's, it's a short amount of time. And it's not the same time every time. Because sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm bored faster. Like, that's just the truth. But um, he opens up a lot and he shares things. And I don't have to ask him. I'll just be sitting there and we'll be playing. And then he'll just start telling me a story of something that happened. And I feel like he realizes, like, mom's a safe place. But it's, it's more authentic to him in that conversation than me being like, how was school? Because it just feels like... I have to do it. So instead, I've been asking him, you know, like, I'm so glad to see you. Did you have anything you wanted to talk about that happened today? And then if he's like, no, not really, then I'll be like, "Okay, that sounds good. Tell me if you had something fun or, you know what I mean? Like I've changed it up because I realized like, why am I asking? Do I really care if he had a good day or like, Mm -hmm. do I want to know what he learned? Like, tell me something you learned today or tell me something that you felt or whatever, you know? And um, it was just interesting to me because I realized, oh, yeah, how many things do we do checklists for? Because we're like, that's just what my mom did or like, that's just how it was. And yeah, so I'm I'm really trying to relearn or reteach myself things that I didn't realize before just because we did them because that's what we did. (laughs) We didn't know the reason why, but that's what mom did. So so I don't know. I feel like it's really made a difference in our relationship. That's the thing is just continually reminding yourself to view, at least for me, to continually view it through the lens of the relationship because then, again, sometimes the checkbox things do genuinely improve the relationship, and in which case, great. But again, I know I feel like I've broken record saying this a thousand times, Once when we're so focused on the checkboxes, that's all we're focused on. You know, yeah. you're not focused on the relationship anymore. Yeah. So sure, use the checkboxes if they're benefiting the relationship, but also just throw out the boxes. <laughs> yeah. And remember the intention behind it. Like you yes, said, you know, exactly. like, Cause it's why not about am I the doing task. this? It's about the intention. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even like, you know, in the little things in, in like housework or whatever, right? It's like, why am I doing this? Okay. I'm I'm having my son do the dishes because I want him to learn this valuable life skill and I want him to learn hard work. Am I doing it because I don't want to do it even though it's going to take me half the time to do? Like, you know what I mean? Like it's the intention about it. So, and then it's so much easier to not be like because I think sometimes we like ask our kids to do something and you know, they don't want to do it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Why would they want to? But then it becomes like this power trip of like like I told you to do this and you didn't do this and you know, like we're getting all upset. But when we remember like, why do we actually want them to do this? Mm-hmm. Then we don't have to be so emotional about it. Yeah. It can be like, okay. And maybe we can express to them a little bit more. Like maybe they just don't want to do it because they don't understand why it's important. And maybe like we can come at it from a different angle. Yeah. When we are keeping in mind that intention, because again, that is the most important. So we have a saying in our house because I got sick of the whole like, well, I don't want to clean up after my siblings because unfortunately he's seven and they're four and two. So he's kind of cleaning up after them all the time. And I feel for him. I do. So we finally started. We say um, service is the price you pay for the space you occupy. Oh, and so we don't do it's So it's taken away the whole like, well, you live in this house, so you do it, you know. But we're reminding them, like, we serve each other in this family. Like, we work together. We're a team. And this is a team effort. So I know it's frustrating to have to clean up after your siblings. 
I don't like cleaning up after them either. I feel for you. But one thing that we do in this family is we serve each other. And it's kind of been fun because my seven-year-old now says it to my four-year-old. And so he'll say service. And then he's like, is this price we pay for the space we occupy? But it's just like, it's kind of changed that mindset. And it takes it off of me. So it's not like I'm the bad guy. It's just like, this is what we do in our house. You know, this is how it works. And so, and I didn't come up with the saying, I heard it from someone, but I just really liked it because I was like, that is why we help around our house because we want to serve each other. Mm -hmm. And we all are grateful we have this home. It's a blessing in our lives and we need to take care of it. Even though sometimes we take care of it better some days and (laughs) others not so much. (laughs) Totally. But it's, again, the intention, right? And and I do feel like it's helped specifically our seven-year-old to realize like, okay, I know it's frustrating to have to clean up after everyone, but I'm learning good skills from this. And, you know, hopefully that will continue. I don't know. We're not in the teen stages yet. I'm a little nervous about that. But I'm also really excited because I feel like, you know, that's going to be a great opportunity to really talk to them. And that's where I thrive is the talking. I'm like, oh, okay, we're watching a show. This is dumb. <laughs> yeah, not even just a show, but a show that I am zero interested in. Yeah, literally watched it 500 times. Although I do like Bluey. Bluey <laughs> I, I can Bluey's handle classic. it. But the reason I like it is because I feel like it's it can be like that fun play. And it is about more, I mean, not to talk about the show, but like it's more about the relationship. Yeah. Like he just plays with his kids and has fun because of the relationship. Yeah. And he's not he still is like, I'm going to be the mean dad now. And like, I'm going to be not the mean, but like the stern dad or whatever. And it's just like this is refreshing because that is reality. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's not reality. You can play with them as much as he does. It's a show, but also they're like seven Although, minute segments. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I, I read something that was talking about that, about how like. Bluey's making these unrealistic standards for parents, blah, blah, blah. But then this rebuttal that was like, hold on a second. Have you noticed how long those episodes are? Mm -hmm. They are seven, eight minutes long. So it's showing like, what is a seven or eight minute thing I can do that I can engage with my kids? Mm -hmm. Can I do seven minutes a day of keepy uppy or whatever, right? Because like, that's all it is, is it's just showing this little snippet. And like, kids don't really need all that much to feel connected yeah I was blown away last night because so my husband was going um I don't even remember where he was going, oh, like the store or something and our kids all want to be the one who gets to go with dad because mom can't handle all of them at home at that time of night I'm done <laughs> <laughs> and so there's he's he's amazing and he's like I'll I'll take one of the kids you tell me which one whatever and so they take turns whose turn it is And they were fighting over who got to go. And so I was like, okay, well, if I just play on the ground with one of them or like give them something to do, then, you know, maybe they'll both be excited and then it's not a fight. So my son lost and he was staying home. (laughs) And so I was like, well, we're going to do an activity together. No idea what this activity is going to (laughs) be. Making it up in my head. I'm like, oh, I got to take pictures of these these nails that I have because I'm like, I want to try and sell them. And, um, so I was like, want to help me take pictures of these? And he's so excited. He literally got on the ground with me. He's taking them out of the basket and he's like, okay, put this one here and this one here. And like, not fun at all for a kid, like you would think. And then they come home and he's like, dad, I got a picture of mommy's nails. It was so cool. And I got to pick which side they went on. And like, he just felt important. And like, he had a role in my life and that's what he cared about, you know? And then we ended up making like, we got carrots and we did, um, so do you know who Camille Walker is? That name sounds so familiar. Okay. So she does this thing called timeout for time out for parents or for kids but anyway she does this and it's really all about like helping you find things to do with your kids off of the screens okay and um what I just pulled out the book and I was like all right let's find something here and one of the things was like get two cucumbers and like a carrot and make a butterfly or whatever and he thought it was the coolest thing ever and he loves salami so he's like now let's do a salami and so 
it's just those little things that I think we like, or at least for me, we get in this like Pinterest mindset or this Instagram mindset of like, I have to have the coolest toys or whatever. And it's like, I literally had something I needed to do and he just helped me. Like that was it. But it was the best day of his life. (laughs) He came home or they came home and he was just like, I had so much fun. It was so awesome. So yeah, I think sometimes we overthink those things. And like you said, it doesn't, it's not about the time. It's about what you do and the time that you have. Absolutely. There's a lot. I mean, and again, that's why I think it's one of the tools that God uses to teach us because it does, it is a very demanding relationship and we learn so much from that. And also from the job of caregiving, both of them. We're working on that one. Yep. I don't know. Caregiving is not my thing. (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny because I I loved babysitting growing up. It was my favorite. And then I wanted to be a teacher. Well, but this is the thing Yeah, those are gone. Because I've talked to Steve about this. I'm like, I'm a really good caregiver for about five hours. Yeah. After five hours is kind of where I'm like, okay. I'm not very good at this anymore. <laughs> and that. so that's where I have to, you know, like, I'm sure you are to a certain degree. It's just the idea of like this never ending mm-hmm. caregiving that gets really overwhelming. Yeah. And so trying to have, and I've been thinking about this. I'm like, okay, summer's coming up like five hours. I, I am a caregiver for more than five hours, but I'm a happy caregiver for about five hours. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I'm like, okay, that's when I know I need to have either some quiet time or put on a show for them or just something to get like a little bit of a recharge so that I can make it through the next five hours or however it's long it's their it bored time right it's like okay it's time for you to be bored now and get creative and learn something new yeah, totally <laughs> please not on my walls <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I think that's it makes a difference we we actually are undertaking potty training next week Oh my gosh, we are too. The two of them. Okay, so you pray for me, I'll pray for you. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why I'm doing that, but I guess I just figure like rip the Band-Aid off. We'll see how it works. I'll let you know. (laughs) I'll be very curious to hear. uh, So send me all your potty training tips. (laughs) Will do. I don't know. I just, it terrifies me. (laughs) What are the ages of the two you're potty training? Um, She's two and he's four. Okay. So... Yeah, he had no interest at all. And I was like, I'm not going to force it. So because it's going to make my life harder and our relationship harder. So I'm good. (laughs) We'll wait. And of course, she's ready. So but yeah, I don't like those stereotypical like, oh, by this age or like girls are faster than boys or whatever. I'm like, they're just ready when they're ready and you'll know or you won't and you'll figure it out later. Like, we just figure it out. I completely agree. All my kids has been different time of potty training just depending on their personality and, yeah, what they're ready for, what I was ready for at the time. Like, my son now, I think he probably was ready a couple months ago, but I wasn't ready a couple months ago. So Mm -hmm. it really is finding that balance of, like, when they're in a good spot, when I'm in a good spot, okay, we're going to – we're ready. We're going to take this on. Well, and then, like, you have to kind of put a hold on everything, right? So, like – for us, it's spring break. So I'm like, okay, we're not going anywhere. We're stuck to the house. Like, which is my choice. That's a boundary that I've right. decided on. You don't have to do that. Like, it works right. for everyone how they want to do it. But for me, I'm like, for my anxiety and for my mental health, <laughs> it's probably better for us to not make plans. So we'll see how it goes. I don't know. But yeah, we, we finally came up with a little motto in our family that everything's figure outable like we're just gonna figure it out as we go so absolutely that's where we're at (laughs) okay well I think we have two more segments that we're gonna do that was our first one so the next segment is the rant of the week so basically you can just rant about something that either like you saw this week or that you had that happened this week my rant is about storage space on electronics (laughs) This is totally a me problem, but I swear, okay, I needed to update my computer. Okay, so to record these episodes, I needed a software update on the program that I record on. But in order to do the software update, I needed to do a system update on my Mac. Well, in order to do the system update, to download it, I had to have 13 gigs free of space. But in order to install it, I had to have another 19 gigs free of space. The computer, this computer, even though I, I think of it as like my new computer, I got it in 2015. So like it's been a minute. 
And it is only 128 gigs total. And 40 of those are the system itself. Yeah. So trying to now get 35 or whatever gigs free. Oh my gosh. It was a nightmare. (laughs) I'm like, why do they make this so? Because it's like you just have to have that while you download it. And then you can use that space again, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and then it's just like. I was so frustrated. Ghost data. So you really so like when you get a phone it's like you have 128 exactly. gigabytes but really, but really you only have like 78 right <laughs> which at the time that felt like so much like 128 gigs i'm like that is nothing <laughs> that is nothing yeah and i didn't even have like any photos on there i don't even know what was taking up all that space <laughs> i still i'm sure i deleted things later i'm gonna be like dang it i wanted that but at the, in the moment on monday when i was like trying to get all this set up I was like, doesn't even matter. I was ready to clear the whole computer and just the factory reset. Thankfully, I avoided that. But, oh, man, storage is like the bane of my existence. I feel like my phone every other day is like, you're out of storage. And then I'll clear it all. And then three days later, it's like, you're out of storage. It's exhausting. I take way too many pictures and videos. Actually, I take that back. I take just the right amount that I need. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Because Never too many. Yeah. Well, I had this thing where I was... In high school, I had a friend that had passed away, and I didn't have any pictures with him. And I was just like, oh, I hate that because, like, pictures are, like, my journaling. Yeah. I don't, I don't journal. I'm not good at that. But pictures, I'm good at. I'm good at keeping the memories or whatever. And so ever since then, I'm like, nope, I'm taking pictures of everything. I'm going to drive everyone nuts, and it's just fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I guess, you know, social media kind of ends up being my world. That worked out. Totally. <laughs> But okay, I would say mine this week is I just wish that more women who, so I get a lot of the time people will be like, oh, you do all these fun things and like you, you always go to these events or you always go to these things. Like how do you figure that out or how do you do it? And I just wish that like people realize like you need to show up for people. Like that's how it starts. And you know, as you show up for people, those relationships you build. But I think people don't realize like you just are genuine friends with people and that's how you build connections. <laughs> like I think people just want to be invited to be invited. And yeah. I don't I I get it. I understand. It's Everyone hard. wants to feel included. Yeah. And I get that. But like, what's your intention? Right. It's the intention yeah. thing. Like, what's your intention behind it? Do you genuinely want to be friends with that person or do you just want what they have? Yeah. Well, and the flip side, too, it's like everyone wants to be included, but yet very few people are willing to go to the work of actually planning something themselves, yes. you know? It's like everyone wants to be in on what other people are doing when they could just, like, host the thing or, you know, like, host whatever it is that they want to be doing and bring the people to them. But it's easier to just be sad when you don't get invited to other things, maybe. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I get, like, we all have that. And we're all going to not be invited to something. That's just the reality because you can't do everything, right? And we're all going to have to say no to things too. But I think, I don't know, my rant is just like, if you want to be invited to the party, either like Jordan Page says, like throw the party yourself Mm -hmm. or go and show up to someone else's party, support someone in their business, support someone in what they're doing and build that genuine relationship and then you'll get invited to the party. But, like, do the work. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. That That's kind of my thing is I just feel like in this social media world, we get caught up in, like, I'm never invited to anything. It's like, well, who did you invite to something? Like, yeah. what did you do to make yourself be a place to be invited? Like, if they don't even know you, I've heard that so many times where they're like, they don't know me, but, like, I wish they would invite me. And it's like, well, they don't know you. So why would they even know to invite you? So that's my thing. I feel like we need to do better as women to, number one, if we want to be invited to something, put ourselves in a place where we can be invited because we're making ourselves relevant in that way. And then number two, um, just show up for people, you know? Like if you want someone to see you and you want to be friends with someone or have a relationship with someone, then do the work, like show up for them and show them that you want 
a two-way relationship and not just something from them. Yeah. I That's mine this week. <laughs> Love it. All right. Final segment is 30-second hot take. Okay. I'm going to give you a topic and you get to rant about it for 30 seconds. Oh, where's my timer? So you just have to keep ranting for 30 seconds. Okay. Okay. And your rant is on being a hat person. Being a hat person. Okay. Well, I didn't used to be a hat person. And then one day, like three years ago, my mom was like, you look so good in hats. And I was like, I do look good in hats. And I was wearing like a baseball cap, but I didn't like baseball caps for like a cutesy outfit. And so then I was like, I'm going to try a cowboy hat. And then I tried it and I was like, no, not for me. So then I found wide brim hats and I fell in love with them. And they're my favorite. And now I feel like it's part of my identity, I guess. People don't recognize me if I'm not wearing my hat. (laughs) Stop. That was your time. (laughs) I know. She was saying when she came in that um, she felt naked without her hat. Or what did you say? You were like, I just don't feel like myself. I feel like my identity is off. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. She normally has one, but her daughter took it. Well, I went to um, I went to an event like a few months ago and I showed up and this guy was like, I feel like I know you. And I was like, I have no idea who you are. Like, <laughs> I felt so bad. But he's like, I just I know I know you from somewhere. And he just kept saying that. And then my friend grabbed somebody else's hat and put it on my head. And, and she's like, now do you recognize her? And he's like, you're the wide brim hat girl. I was like. I am? What? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? I didn't know that people even knew me as that. Because I'm not like a big, you know, like fancy hat person or whatever. I buy like $20 hats from like a boutique or whatever. And I just love them because they're my accessory. That is so funny <laughs> that he recognized you as the wide brim hat. Yeah. So And funny that my friend like thought to like put yeah. the hat on my head and I was like, this is the first I've ever heard this. No one's ever said that to me. Yeah. Now you need to like change your Instagram handle or something. I feel like. <laughs> well, my husband's is Mr. Widebrim Hat. Oh, that's true. For that reason. I was like, oh, okay, this works. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> Anyways, so I like my hats and I just don't wear other jewelry. So that's my accessory. <laughs> and I'm you not pull wearing it off. It, so. And you pull it off so well. Okay. It well, works. thank you again for coming. This is so fun. And I really, really appreciated all of your rants. Thank you for ranting with me. You know I'll always rant with you, Hannah. Okay, we will rant again <laughs> Yeah, someday. thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I love that we just got to have like our own little like lunch hangout without totally. eating lunch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you so much and see you next week and rant.